Welcome everyone to the Mastering the Mind podcast. Today we welcome our fifth guest to the podcast. Her name is Emily Borthwick. Emily is a professional high jumper and has recently represented Great Britain at the Turin 2021 European Championships. Emily recently beat her PB record, clearing 1 meters 91. Alongside her athletic career, Emily is currently studying sport and exercise psychology degree at Loughborough University. She's also recently secured a job helping Loughborough College students with their well-being as a support officer. So let's welcome Emily to the podcast. Hello. Hey, hey how are you? Is. Right. Already, yeah, already. Good. <laughs> good. Did you have training, yeah? Yeah, I'm like, so sorry I am uh, half an hour late. No, I was in the gym uh, smashing out a session, so... Was a little yeah. bit later than anticipated, but uh, yeah, that's no problem. Yeah, so to all to all our listeners, like, don't hate on Emily. <laughs> um, no, I'm joking. No, I was pushing back from work anyway, so yeah. so I had work today, so yeah, I'm uh, I'm feeling it as well. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, yeah, because I've been in since like ten, so I've literally just got home half hour ago. It's been one of them days where you like you do one session, then you have to do treatment, and then go and have a meeting, and then go back to the gym and stuff like that. Just always on the move. Literally always on the move, but I like yeah. it like that. I don't. No. I would literally hate to be sat doing nothing. So it's. Good. No, yeah, I've been out since like six a.m. and just got back about an hour ago, and like I'm re- ready to record. But I feel like when I'm sort of on the go, I'm like straight into it. I haven't got time to worry or think about what I'm going to say on the podcast. Like. Just straight yeah. into it. It's more raw. Yeah, well, so, you yeah. win then. 6 a.m. starts, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about you, John? Uh, Lazy. <laughs> Let's move on. No, but, um, but yeah, I haven't, haven't done much today, to be fair. But, uh, but yeah. What's, like, a typical day for you, Emily? Like, do you, like, train every day or do you have, like, uh, like a rest day during the um, week? Or so, typically, we'll do something. We'll do something every day. Um, I mean... We have five like heavy days, so that'll be like uh, four to five hour training days, and then Thursdays and Sundays are kind of like active recovery. So either yoga, Pilates, or even just simply like a walk or something like that, and then stretching and core at home. Um, but like Monday, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday is my big technical session, so we'll actually do high jump training, um, and then we'll have like plyometrics in the middle and then gym we'll finish off with gym so we do gym three times a week and then Tuesdays Tuesdays normally last longer but it's like running session mobility um all the like accessory bits really yeah. and then loads of like killer circuits at the end so they're just like it's just a long slog like Tuesday Saturdays um or actually this Saturday we've got hills yes yeah, so oh, no. smashing out the hills at half eight in the morning so that'll be nice but yeah yeah. Not looking forward to tomorrow then. Absolutely <laughs> <laughs> not. How often do you compete? Um, I'm not too like clued up with like uh, how often like athletics sort of compete. So I'm interested to see. Um, so we have two seasons. So we have an indoor season and outdoor season. So indoors is usually December through to March. Um, so the major championships are normally around March time. We'll have our British trials around Feb. Um, so I'm normally competing end of Jan towards March um, and then outdoors depends who you are really and what your event is I know a lot of the heptathletes will start end of April because um, they've got to get a couple of heps in 
throughout the year. Obviously, yeah. that's seven events, so they've they've got to get like three or four major comps in across the next I don't know five six months. Um, but typically for me, I think I'm opening um, in May. I actually found out this morning that I'm competing at my first Diamond League in Gateshead. Okay. Um, so that's Congrats. really cool. Yeah, so I've got that on the 23rd of May. Um, so that's really exciting. Um, but yeah, so that's like probably one of, apart from Europeans, that's probably one of the biggest <laughs> competitions of my life. But that's going to be oh, so wow. cool. Um, and hopefully I can earn a bit of money. So yeah. They will be, we'll be cheering you on. Yeah. yeah. You heard it here first on the podcast. <laughs> well, to to be fair, this would be a Master in the Mind exclusive because nobody knows until like, oh, wow. Apart from like my family and friends, um, but yeah, your yeah. listeners now know the secret. We're gonna have to push this forward on the schedule then, because currently we're about four weeks ahead. So yeah, we'll yeah. have to release this next right, week. Instead. To be fair, by the time this is out, I might be competing like at the yeah. weekend. So. It might be perfect timing, and then yeah, yeah, you'll yeah. have a load of fans coming to like one of the events. Yeah, I think I'm... it's gonna be on BBC, so check it out. I don't know what time, but. It'll be on BBC on the 23rd of my, uh, May. So yeah. hopefully this time there won't be a banner like blocking your uh, your attempt because you you were telling us yesterday that uh, on your third attempt at uh, Turin, like yeah. So yeah, third attempt to a new PB of 191 at my first European Championships, and my parents are watching the BBC live stream, and there's a huge banner of all the names of the race that had just been on and this black like panel over where the hydrant bed is so i'm running my third attempt um and then i just disappear into this like black panel and then all you can hear is me screaming go mental my coach <laughs> go mental but you can't actually see anything so yeah let's hope they actually show some jumping this time otherwise i will not be impressed yeah BBC don't have a good reputation on the podcast. Holly, Holly first was uh, talking badly about BBC. Now I'm joking. But, uh, no, yeah. I'm, I'm in agreement <laughs> there because it's it's a joke. Field events are not, they don't exist on the BBC currently. But yeah. Good to see it. Yeah. But yeah, um, so I think a good place to start is sort of, I think we, we always go in chronological order. So sort of starting from like you growing up. And based on like my research around you, you've always been into athletics and like you've always been so athletic as well, like winning from early. So I'm interested to see how you got into athletics. Have you just always had that natural ability? So I think it was one of them, like at school, I was always a sporty kid. Mm. Uh, I do pretty much everything. Um, I was taller than most of the girls in my classes, even some of the boys. So I'd just throw myself into anything. Um, I've got a younger brother, so we'd always like play out and kick a football or I don't know, what what would you do back in the day? Play Kirby or something like that. So we'd be out the front uh, just messing about. Um, And like my mum and dad were quite active anyway. Um, My mum used to be a runner um, and she competed at the English schools, which uh, I don't know, high school age, that's, they call it like the mini Olympics for high school kids because that's the best level of competition you can get. So my mum was a 200 meter sprinter um, at that. So that was kind of my link to like family uh, athletics. And then my dad played football. And I think it was just one of them, you know, driving past the local track, seeing kids running around this giant orange, just track. And you're like, oh, I want to do that. That's what I want to do. And then I think me and my brother started at like a little, like athletic kids, I think it was called. 
Um, so we just like typical fundamental movements, that kind of thing. And then, so that was when I was around five, six. And then when I was seven, I joined Wigan Harriers. And, and that's, yeah, I'm 23 now, so 16 years later, we're still, still going, but yeah. I remember at school, athletics was like quite a big, big time for us. But when we started like competing for, we used to go and um, if we managed to qualify, we'd go and compete at Saffron Lane uh, in Leicester. And that oh, was yeah. like a, that was like a huge thing uh, for, for us. And I remember I got accepted once to do long jump because I was the only person who, uh, <laughs> who actually <laughs> done it. So yeah, nice. that was embarrassing because I got... Um, I was not good compared to anyone else. So, yeah, I got smoked. (laughs) To be fair, I think we had like town sports, but by that point, because you'd been against everyone all the time in primary school, you knew who like the top dogs were. Obviously, it was me. So I was like, well, none of you are going to win. So, but the other thing was like a couple of my friends who were at other primary schools were there. And obviously, we'd be training together like twice a week or whatever. But you know that you're better than them. So it's like, ah. It's the best part because all your mates are in the crowd. Like like you yeah. say, Ollie. Like all the uh, all the ones just turning up just to help the school. All my <laughs> yeah, mates yeah. are in the crowd. No, and yeah. then they'd be like cheering you on and going mental. And it was just, oh, it was carnage between the primary schools because everyone just be marming <laughs> off to each other. I remember even on sports day, like I, I um, one time I competed in the 400 metres and I went out the block so fast, first 300 and then last 100. That was when where everyone was and everyone was cheering me on. I could not feel my legs. They completely shot it. They felt like jello. It was, yeah, about fell over. <laughs> but, um, John, huh? John, have you got any experience in uh, primary school sports days yeah. or town sports? Yeah, like it wasn't like it wasn't that big. Like you guys, it seems like in the UK, it's like massive, like competing against schools and stuff. Like here, it's not it's not that uh, prevalent. But we did have like um like one day we went. Like, it was like down south of Belgium and. Um, we did compete against other schools and I don't remember what event I did. I must have done like, what's, is it relay? Not relay. Is it yeah. where you like, is, yeah, relay. I did that and I was terrible at it. Like I'm good at short distance, but like long distance, it was like 400s. I think we did. Um, yeah. yeah, I was terrible at it. Terrible. So at school, Emily, uh, you talk about like when you was um, like taller than the other boys. Did you ever, because I know my sister, she's really into athletics as well. And she loves competing against the boys. And that's sort of like the standard she holds herself to, being better than them. So is that something that like you was quite, especially having a a brother as well, I imagine that was quite competitive. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think for a while he did high jump as well, but his personal best is higher than mine, Mm. which is a bit annoying. But I mean, it makes sense because he is a boy. Um, But yeah, I mean, in primary school, I mean, it was always good for... um, sports day and your mum and dad's like mums and dads are watching and then you line up next to all the boys and then you smoke them so you're yeah. just like yeah and you get the big t- the big sticker on your on your p-shirt and you're just walking around like you think you own the place okay. but then obviously getting to high school I think because I was starting to get better at athletics and like traveling around the UK to compete I think I then started to kind of not talk about it as much um because even now I don't like to talk about like my achievements and things like that. So when I got to high school, it was kind of I'd do PE and kind of be like in the middle. Like some girls would be full on going for it, and I'm just thinking I'd literally just 
few years if I was doing it properly. Yeah. And I'd kind of hold back a bit because I didn't want to embarrass anyone, but also I was kind of like, you know, just just keep oh, it chill and not you know, make a big deal out of it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, so I, when I was also like doing research, I seen that you used to compete loads in like 300 and 400 metres. And now, like you're saying, you're doing high jump. Like, what was sort of the, like, the transition around that? So um, I started off doing multis, like, beginning of high school, I think, when I was, yeah, 12, 13. Um, so I kind of had a bit of long distance, obviously, sprint hurdles and then high jump in it. Um, and then I think we got to, I got to 15, 16, and then at that point, you've got to do javelin as part of a heptathlon. Mm. And I can't throw for shit. <laughs> literally i yeah. just can't throw i mean my shot was all right but my jab was awful i could barely even get the stick in the ground like it'd be doing spins and all sorts <laughs> like just not great at all yeah. um so i kind of just fell out of love with that um and then i joined a group in wigan um and was doing 300s and 400s and i was getting really good at it and i think i got selected for under 20 England when I was 16. So I was like the age group below, but I won the, the championships to go and represent England in Wales, um, of all places, very tropical. Um, so I went to Cardiff to compete for England North, I think, at 16. Um, and I ended up running like a PB and things like that. So I was like, oh, maybe 400 is going to be my event. And then... I think it was like one of the league matches. So at the club, we obviously compete in leagues. A bit like Sunday football, you've got like different uh, divisions and stuff like that. So we had ours um, and they needed someone to do high jump for extra points just so that we could win that match. Um, and I was like, oh, do you know what? I used to do it. I'll just have a go in trainers. So I just worked, wore my trainers, ran at the bar. I jumped maybe 166. And at the time, it's not not great, but I think it was like, four centimetres off my personal best from when I used to do multi-events. So I was kind of like, oh, well, I've not lost it. And then yeah. I kind of was like, mm, I'm enjoying it again. And it's all right. And it's fun to do as a laugh. And then the same thing happened. I went to a county championships and I'd ran the 300 and I won it. But then the team manager was like, oh, we need someone to do the high jump. Have you got experience? And I was like, oh, well, I've done it like previously with um, combined events. And they're like, all oh, right, yeah, just can you do it? And I was like, oh yeah, all right. I've only got my middle distance spikes. So I don't know if you've, anyone's seen like high jump spikes are quite thick at the bottom and then you've got spikes on one side, spikes on the other. Whereas endurance are the thinnest shoes with like a couple of spikes at the front. And I was like, yeah, I'll do it, but I'm not prepared for this. So at the time my brother was there and he was doing high jump as his event, but I was still running. Um, and he was like, right, gave me a run up and everything. And I ended up jumping 175, I think, um, which was a massive PB in endurance spikes. And I beat a girl who was like top of the rankings at the time. Wow. And I was like, whoa, this is, yeah, this is strange. Like doing it again, just as a joke. Yeah. And then I actually ended up doing really well. Um, and then I think it was like two months before the national championships in Bedford. Um, and I just fell out of love with running. Again, similar story to combined events. I just hated the training. Um, just wasn't enjoying myself at all. And I said to my coach, I was like, look, I might leave the sport. I'm just really not happy at the minute. 
Um, but could I go and do high jump at nationals? Because I might have an outside chance of a medal. And he was like, look, you know, your happiness comes first. And by this point, I think I was around 15, 16. And he was like, if you're going to make it in the sport, you need to make a decision of what event you want to do. Mm. Um, so I went to this nationals. I did high jump. And then I ended up winning nationals with a new PB. Um, and obviously that, oh, I was really happy and I was excited. And I thought, oh, it's great because first national title and I've had fun. But then I thought about it and I said, I rang my coach straight away and I was like, look, I'm really sorry that I didn't run and I chose high jump, but I'm going to commit to 400s. And his reply was like, you've got to be joking. You've just won a national title in a new event. You can't just quit and yeah. not carry on. So then he put me in contact with my new coach, Fuzz, and he was based down in Birmingham. Um, and then, yeah, that's pretty much it. I did 400s and high jump at the same time. So I was doing both training for maybe two years. So I was still running well in the fours, but then my high jump was getting so much better. Mm. Um, and I think I jumped 180, which at that age was like a really big, like, um, I don't know, a height, a great height to have achieved at that age. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of like knocking on the door of uh, junior teams, like Europeans, worlds, that kind of thing. So I was like, mm, if I actually commit to this, then maybe that, like it'll 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 get better um so then I was traveling to Birmingham and Loughborough like once uh or twice a week for a little bit whilst doing my 400 training and then it got to the point where I kind of had to make a decision and then yeah just focused on high jump but I mean I guess it's kind of paying off now but still we'll we'll see we'll see would you say enjoyment's like a a big factor for you and sort of progressing in your your whatever event you're doing like do you think you would have achieved what you've achieved in high jump in 400s if you'd not enjoyed it as much like I think so I just matured and grew up and actually like understood training better yeah so I think if I had this mindset back then when I was doing fours mm. I would have been a four runner and I'd have probably been running on relay teams and things like that okay. or competing for GB a lot earlier than high jump. But at the end of the day, like high jump was different. It was fun. There were so many elements to it rather than just turning up to track, running around the track all night, yeah. around the track. And it just kind of got tedious. Um, but with high jump, there's so many different aspects like plyometrics, gymnastics, all the different gym exercises. Um, and... I think because it was almost a risk for me and I'm always taking risks and I do think like if I take a risk but it's then my responsibility and then I accept that responsibility so I've decided to move event I've now got to commit to it um I mean hindsight the wonderful thing but I would never go back to fours now um I do miss running so I've actually asked for more running in my hydrant program um, and all the training that I hated is kind of creeping back in again, yeah. which is quite interesting. Um, but I think it was just maturity and actually realising that I had a talent for something. And by putting the hard work in as well, then obviously the results do come from it. Mm. Um, I mean, I don't mind doing a four by four relay every now and then. I don't think John would agree with me, but... Um, <laughs> 
for I'd sure. I'd beat you like, in the hundred meter. I think I'd beat you in the hundred. Yeah. <laughs> Not four yeah. by fours, please. To be fair, I think actually in my club, in terms of like the four by four, I think they still put me in the team because I'm still one of the fastest even now. So I'm like sometimes I'll I'll dabble a little bit. I mean, my coach will probably say no now, but in the last couple of years, I've done a few four by fours. I'm realize I'm starting to realize how high. Uh, one meter ninety one is because I remember at school. I remember exactly what my record was. It was one meter fifty six, and even then I thought it was it was like massive because I, yeah. I think I got the record in my class. But one one meter ninety one that's that's crazy. That's taller than me. Like yeah, well actually I was in a school the other day, and you know kids. I mean they don't understand like heights and stuff. But I was like, oh, go home. Tell your mummy and daddy that an athlete came in and said she could jump six foot three. And I can guarantee that that's over all of your parents' heads. And they're like, what? You can jump over my dad. And I was like, well, yeah. Like, the average male's not six three. So, yeah, so that was quite funny. But, I mean, I'm only, like, 171 tall. Um, and one of the kids was like, oh, my God, you're so tall. And I was like, yeah, but in high jump, I'm really small. So if yeah. you look at me compared to all the ju- yeah. other jumpers, I'm tiny. Um, and what's I get a lot of shit for that one. Yeah. What's the average for the, like, would you say? Six foot, death on, really? like, 183, 184 tall. Yeah, they've got a good 10 centimetres on me. So, that's yeah. Crazy. Wow. You've got good power then in your legs. <laughs> well, that's the only way I'm going to jump over any bars. Because I ain't got my height and my feet are quite small. Because that's the other thing, obviously, when we take off, you take off on your toe. So it's your height plus your shoe size. And you've got if you've got girls who are like six foot and size 12, yeah. you've got no chance. So how does high jump work then? So I feel like athletics is like super scientific. Everything's so scientific. So like, I guess speed plays like a massive part. Like the quicker you, you run, the like best chance you're going to cover. Like... I mean, to some degree, yeah. But then it's how much force. Okay. So obviously more speed, you can put more force through the floor, but can your body take that force? And then it's directing that speed and force as well. I mean, it sounds so complicated, but I mean, you kind of just have to run and jump at the end of the day. (laughs) You try not to think about the physics of it. I mean, I guess if you were speaking to Holly, then pole vault probably blew your mind. But And that's just crazy. But with high jump, it's like, everybody's so different and everyone does different like everyone's technique is different I mean you'll have like a basic I don't know model that you'd follow or like your coach would draw things from um but for example I think my run-up's like a standing 10 stride and then someone else has got a rolling eight stride or a rolling 10 or a static six or something like that so everybody's different um and I guess it's just utilising your own individual strengths. So for me, like from my point of view, yeah, speed and power are my best asset. So with my running background, by applying the mechanics of my running and my speed on my runway, I've then got to be lifting heavier in the gym to be able to take that load at takeoff. Mm. Whereas like the six foot girls, they need to just put the foot down and they're like seven foot tall flying over a bar. Yeah, and they're always like the tall skinny <laughs> ones whereas I'm like the short plump one like <laughs> walking around the track but no I mean like I say I think the idea of a challenge I enjoy yeah. um, and it's almost yeah. coming yeah, away from the, the norm of high jump because typically you're tall and skinny whereas I've come in I'm 
short and a little bit bigger. So I don't know. I kind of want to break change that, the game that norm. Yeah, for sure, definitely. Yeah. Would you say you sort you of have like, like an underdog? Yeah, underdog mentality. A little bit now. I mean, the pressure's off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'll just come in low ranking, do my business. No one's bothered, and then yeah. I could just relax, really. They're the ones who are stressing because they've got all the pressure and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I guess when the when the light's off you, it's good because you can kind of do your own thing. But then if you, I don't know, if you surprise people, then, then you're stuck then because they know who you are. <laughs> and then they'll look out for you because you've come out of nowhere. So, yeah. No, that's uh, that's interesting because, so... It was like our next question was going to be sort of like what what was it like representing GB for the first time? Um, Turun, how do you say? Turun, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. I, I, I struggled to uh, pronounce that, but um, yeah. So, did you sort of not feel pressure then when you was like lining up? I mean, like I say, I'm against giants. So sorry, I'm just plugging my lap. I think it might die. Um, so I was against giants. So. Like, I'm there and I'm like, oh, my God, like, looking at these girls. Yeah. But also, because it was Europeans, a lot of, you, like, European athletes are amazing in, like, the world rankings. So, in my sport, all the Europeans are, like, ranked one to, one to five. So, all the big dogs were there. But then it was also, like, other events going on as well. So, I'm, like, rabbit in headlights, like, oh, my God, all these, like, celebrities who I see on the telly week in, week yeah. out, and they literally stood five metres away. I've got the pole vault world record holder like saying hi, how are you doing? <laughs> and then I've got just random people just talking to me and like, you're all right. And like having a chat and I'm thinking, oh my God. Na- like... Name drop a few. <laughs> oh yeah. Drop. Uh, uh, um, to the be honest, on. it was like the whole weekend <laughs> was spot. such a blur. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. No, but like, I mean, if I ever go to like a world or something, I don't even know how I'm gonna be. Like, I was literally fangirling the whole time. <laughs> Even in my competition, I'm like, oh my god, like that's one of my idols, yeah. and she's just not the bar off. But I've cleared it, and I'm like, oh my god, this is just crazy because that was it. Like, Euros for me was just madness, it just didn't feel real because it was me. Like, mm. I don't yeah, know, you always think, yeah, you always think it's someone else, but then it's actually you that are in those shoes, like you're there. Yeah, I remember you sure. saying in in the video with British Athletics that like you, like you said, you looked up to all these athletes and you're actually there. So that must be, I, I obviously we'd never experienced that, but like, what, like, what is it kind of like, how did you experience that kind of? It, surreal, it was surreal. And I honestly felt like I shouldn't have been there. Yeah. Like it was as if I'd, I'd stole someone's VIP pass and like snuck in <laughs> through the back door. It was one of them. Um, but I mean, I jumped my PB and all the girls were like really happy for me. And I was like, you've never met me before in your life, but this whole community is just amazing. And like, everyone's just so nice and just loves the sport. And I think that's so important because um, a lot of people do just go in, put too much pressure on themselves and mess up. So like, I don't know, being around all these people was amazing. And it also just makes you want to do it more. That was a similar theme to what uh, Holly like come out with that the athletics community is so like tight knit and like sort of support each other rather than competing against. You sort of just compete against yourself. You sort of just like loving the sport and you want to yeah. see everyone succeed. So that's definitely interesting because it's different to anything that I've ever. Everything's yeah. so competitive in, in what I've done in terms of sport. So it's 
especially at that level it's like yeah, yeah. I'm, it's quite I mean, surprising I guess at the end of the day like you're a fan of your own sport aren't you so like for me I was literally just sat there cheering everybody on like if someone was going for a PB like I'd be the one stood up clapping or shouting at them like I do think that's so important and I'd hope that someone would do that for me as well and obviously it was my first like major championships and everyone was just so lovely and it was like oh I want to do this every year like every yeah. season in or outdoor I want to be amongst this um and obviously unfortunately we didn't have a crowd at that championships so to have like the best time of my life in that environment for it to be even better the next time with crowds with you know yeah. like all the like cameramen it being on tv like bigger pools of athletes as well because obviously the numbers were really limited and things like that so it can only get better so i mean god help me when i'm in like a world championships or something like that because i'm literally just going to be stood like oh, oh, i yeah. shouldn't be here i don't like yeah. but yeah so do you kind of thrive in that environment where it's like there's a lot of there's the crowds like around you all the cameras are, all the cameras are on you like do you kind of thrive in that environment or, like I guess or I think say? obviously high jump such a mental event in like your mind just takes over so it's really important to kind of be in your own little world and like so having crowds there is amazing because it does like it uplifts yeah. you it motivates you the noise is incredible it distracts you from you know you and the bar but then also like you kind of zone out of everything else because when it's just you and you you know you're working on your run up all that kind of stuff you've got to just be switched on and you forget everything around you because it's literally you and the bar at the end yeah. of the day so as amazing as it is once you've cleared the bar yeah take it all in enjoy it celebrate it but when you're on your mark doing your run up you kind of forget about everything are there any are there any like sports psych sort of strategies you like try to implement? Because it sounds like when you sort of get to that moment, like do you ever like use like a pre-performance routine? Because you say it's sort of you focusing on your like task relevant things. So I imagine that's something that you, you may uh, implement. I mean, imagery like plays a massive part. Um, sure. I mean, the prep before a competition, like a couple of days before, you'll do a little bit of imagery. Uh, you know, self-talk's massive, especially because in high jump, you get three attempts at a bar. Yeah. So if you've done two attempts, not the bar off, you've got a third attempt, you're talking to yourself, you're like, right, come on, you'll see a lot of athletes like slap themselves or slap their legs or like shout. There's a lot of emotion that goes with it as well. Um, and it's how like you manage that emotion. Mm. So you can choose to enjoy it and be free. Um and you know be positive in your mind and say the right things or you can be tense you can be anxious yeah. you know and and ruin it for yourself so for me like self-talk is really important and it's just instilling all the positive things that you've done in training and just backing yourself at the end yeah. of the day you have got to back yourself because if you ain't no one else will um yeah. so for me that's like that's one of the most important things that i'll be saying on my mark prepping for a jump I'll be like right you've done the work you need to back yourself because you're the one doing it mm. and then you're the only one limiting yourself as well uh, that's so interesting like sort of getting that insight from an individual sport because I've only ever competed in team sports so and so sometimes people can sort of rely on teammates and sort of social loaf especially in big moments where they're struggling themselves in their psych so 
yes yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting to get that sort of insight yeah before before your third attempt like i was watching the video and it seems like you were so calm like no not panicking you're like breathe like you're focusing on your breathing i think a bit maybe like like you breathed out ready to go like is that kind of also a technique you use like kind of breathing technique or is it yeah definitely i mean i didn't realize so on my third attempt i had to stop for the long jump so there was long jump going on behind me and basically i couldn't my mark was on the long jump runway so the official was like oh you can't go so you're gonna have to uh you're just gonna have to wait so obviously like my friends and family are watching the stream and they just see me kind of like wander off now normally if you're distracted like if you're on your mark you're in the zone and then if someone goes oh hang on a minute you gotta move kind of puts you off a little bit but i think because i was just enjoying it so much and kind of taking in every single part of it i was just so involved in the moment nothing was gonna distract me mm. um so when they said oh you know you can't, you can't go yet. I was like, right, fine. Kind of had a bit of a walk back, uh, moved around a bit, went to my mark. And then my, I, I speak to someone from my psychology and she basically said, when you're on, before you get on your mark, think about everything that you need to do. Once you're on that mark, deep breath, forget everything and just do it. So for me, I'll do all the thinking, get on my mark. And like you say, John, you'll see me go, breathe out all like negative like feelings and emotions and just be free so mm. that last breath is almost me giving myself permission to be free and then just go yeah, yeah. that's so crazy <laughs> it's i mean like obviously you don't i think in the moment you don't realize you do it until you watch yeah, yourself yeah. back yeah. so me watching that video i'll be like oh like if that was me two years ago i would be panicking like oh, i'll yeah. be stressing out like oh oh god the long jump's going like am i gonna go blah blah blah. and i think the clock had already started for my um for my attempt so obviously we get a minute um to do our run-up and stuff and I, I think the clock had already started and normally that would unsettle me but this time i was just like no nah, i know what i need to do i'm gonna do it and then yeah that was it I think that's yeah. a really good like sort of insight for the listeners because you talk about some people were like that slap themselves, shy at each other like themselves and sort of try and hype themselves up. Whereas you sort of needed that relaxation and sort of bring yourself yeah. back into the moment. So people benefit from different types of sort of arousal. Um and that's definitely that's something you need to sort of identify for yourself if you want to succeed yeah. in your sport. Yeah. Definitely. and obviously you cleared it and uh you're celebrating like mad let's <laughs> go I mean, oh yeah i mean to be fair someone said so there was a picture taken and i think it was the first photo that i actually posted like after jumping and it was the most talked about photo of the weekend um really? yeah because it was everywhere like team gb shared it bbc shared it obviously british athletics used it everywhere and I think because it was just such like an underdog performance, it was massive. And obviously at the time, my PV before that was like 184 and then 187. Yeah, so I had like a huge increase and obviously I'd made the final. So for me to beat the other Brit as well, like it was just like crazy. The whole thing was kind of crazy. And I think because it was so raw and honest, like the celebration like that was me like oh my god this is madness screaming shouting going mental and because it was so raw and real i think that's why it was like used everywhere and why people 
enjoyed it. But I mean, watching the celebration back, I'm just like, oh, what a tit. I loved it. I loved that the crowd went there and you could sort of hear like your celebration. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, like it was so good because obviously they had the microphone on the camera and I was just like, ah, going mad. And then my coach and um, the pole vault lead coach as well were both in the stand and you could hear them both go, yeah. yeah. And I was like going crazy. And then like, I think afterwards I rang my parents and my brother and I, I FaceTimed them and I opened the call and literally all I heard was just screaming. <laughs> and like my phone was on loud and I was in like the warm-up area and there's still some athletes and all my phone was just going, ah! And I was like, shit, like turned it down. Yeah. I was like, guys, you need to calm down, like just chill. But I think in the competition, so the qualifying for the final was 194. I think that's what you had to jump to get through. So I jumped 191 and my psychologist was like, look, you're going to jump 190 plus but be prepared to jump it, like to jump like two, three PBs. So because the auto qualifying was 94, I cleared 91, was like, oh, losing my head. But then kind of like got off the bed and I was like, oh shit, shit, I've got to jump 94, I've got to jump 94, like to get through to the final. So I kind of had the emotional bit, but then kind of had to bring myself back and be like, right, you've got to get back on it because if you've got to jump again, like you're screwed because that emotional outbreak is going to yeah. just drain you. Um, but then those two girls jumping after me, the Italian and the Swedish girl, and they both failed it. And I was the eighth clear. So I ended up going through to the final. So yeah, luckily I didn't have to jump again, but yeah. Yeah. That was how would, how would you like, how would you like regulate your emotions? Like that's crazy. I could never do that. Yeah. Being so hyped and then focus again. Like, Oh my God. Like, because I knew that I'd jump higher I was all I'd almost accepted I was jumping higher so then when it happened it wasn't as much as a shock so as much as it was really exciting like emotional but because it wasn't as much as a shock because I knew that I could do it and kind of was like right I am gonna do this so don't go absolutely crazy don't be crying your eyes out like on the floor that kind of thing I was like, just be prepared to jump again. Um, and I think that was how I kind of just brought myself back straight away. But also my friend Morgan was in the competition and she was like, you're fine, you're through, like you just need to chill. Um, mm. So having someone there really helped as well. So that was good. But yeah, it was it was an experience to say the least. Yeah, so yeah. You, you, you've talked about like a number of figures there and like previously like growing up, like uh, like figures to get you into athletics. Um, and then you've touched on having a psychologist and your coach, Fuzz Khan. Like, what were sort of them figures? Like, have they really helped you in this journey to, like, being really good at high jump? I think, to be honest, ultimately it's been down to me because it was my decision to change event. So then the responsibility was on me. Obviously, I'm guided by my coach and supported by my support staff. So yeah. S&C, psych, nutritionist, everything like that. And obviously, I'm so grateful for my coach, for everything, because he's obviously put the model in place and maybe the athlete that I am. Mm. But at the end of the day, like it's my commitment and my dedication. Yeah. Um, so although I've got these amazing people around me, I'm the individual who's doing it. So it's down to me to obviously get my arse in gear and get sorted. So I was studying in Liverpool at the time that I committed to high jump fully. And I was driving to Birmingham and Loughborough like two, three times a week as well as living at home in Wigan. So that's like two hour 
like four hour round trips, like three days a week. But that was to train with my coach and my training group. Mm. And I had to show my commitment to my event by doing so. And for me, that was like, a, that was huge. And obviously because of that, my coach obviously respects me a lot more and understands that I do, I'd wanted to do well. Yeah. And then last May, I finally made the decision to move to Loughborough, like for, I mean, for the foreseeable future and, you know, commit to my athletics and then studying for my master's as well. So I think I've shown the dedication and the commitment in previous years and now I'm kind of giving myself the full opportunity to really go for it and, and you know make it make a name for myself and obviously along the way people have helped me massively but yeah. then these huge risk these huge decisions they've landed on me I mean the only way that I'd moved here was by working four or five jobs was a money and then moving and just you know taking that risk so to be here has been a massive achievement for me because of what I've had to do in the background. I mean, I'd see people and they'd see me at training, but they wouldn't know what else was going on in my life. Like they wouldn't have known that I'd done a shift in the morning and then another job in the afternoon or I'd been to uni and then training, then working and things like that. So I'm super busy all the time, but I've always been busy and I like being busy, but that's because that's the way it's had to be. You know, yeah, I finance things myself, so. That's something I really rate about you, sort of that, that you've always, you said, I've seen on a recent post that you've always been self-funded and you sort of do like jobs outside of our athletics and you're studying and like, yeah, it's so inspiring because I sort of like tried to do the same thing for myself. So like when I realised that sort of everyone's like an athlete and I'm like going out and grafting, doing gardening, it's like yeah. the polar opposites. But I sort of love that about me that it, it, I sort of feel like an underdog myself um so that's something I really respect about you that you're you're doing that and you feel like an underdog in compared to everyone else you have that yeah. work ethic yeah and I think that's what makes me me as well like yeah. at the end of the day I don't take things for granted I don't ask for things for you know like people will be happy to give you something but at the end of the day like I haven't worked for it mm. if I want something I've got a I've got to work towards it. I've got to earn the money to buy something. Do you know what I mean? Things can't be handed to you on a plate. I mean, some athletes are lucky. They get sponsorships so uh, like so early on in their career. And then there's an expectation that everything should be given to them for free. Yeah. Whereas I've had to work my arse off for years and years. And I mean, this year I've, I've been a little bit lucky. I mean, I've got a scholarship at Loughborough University. Uh, Adidas have kindly been sending me some free kit and stuff and that you know that takes the pressure off finances of buying like clothes and things like that um but no one else is paying my bills like mm. I'm the one paying my bills I've still got to work you know night shifts in schools in the day working around my training that kind of thing just to finance for my sport and also like I'm glad that it's happened this way I'd hate to have been given everything because when athletics ends what do you do you're stuck so no. I've already put in the work, dedicated to the world of work, to a job, that kind of thing. I've been in a routine where you work, you earn money, you pay rent, you you do adult things. So when athletics is over in the next, I don't know, 10 years or 15 years, like I'll have, I'll have been there, done that, I'll yeah. finish it and I can live my life knowing what's in store. No, yeah, that transition is so key. Um, that's something like, I'm really focused on for like Re Released Academy footballers. 
um, sort of trying to promote a positive transition because a lot of the time it is negative for them because they sort of haven't had that reflection to realise what they need when they are released because 99% of them actually just do get released. So that's something yeah. I'm really focusing on. But yeah. yeah, like at the time, like going back to uh, like working and developing that work ethic, like at the time you probably like hate it. Like I remember working for oh, my dad, yeah. like in the summer, it's like, oh my God, I hated it. But like when I reflect, it's like, I'm so glad I did that because now I've got this work ethic that not many people have. Yeah, and I think it's so important, obviously, being realistic yeah. and actually being shown reality of life. Because people, you know, these days you're getting sucked into social media and so much fake bullshit. Yeah. Like, you need a reality check once in a while, and life ain't always easy. It's not sunshines and rainbows. Like, you can have really dark days and difficult times. And if you've never experienced that, if you've had sport as your, I don't know, golden sunshine every day and you've never had a dark day, like you're going to absolutely crumble as soon as that's taken away from you. you. You're almost a nobody. You know, they talk about athletic identity and how important it is, but that's only one part of your whole life. It's maybe, yeah. I don't know, a fifth, like a fifth of your life that yeah. you're going to have within sport and the rest. I mean, no one's going to know what to do, so I'm glad I've done it my way mm. and I'll continue to do it my way. I mean, if someone out there wants to sponsor me and pay me 20 grand a year, then please do, but... For now, I'm more than happy to work my ass off, do it for myself so, and not by anyone else. How come it's so hard getting sponsors? Because I, I think for like athletes like yourself, like you've got a good following, like on Instagram, for example, like you're, like you're on TV. Like it's, it's. I find it like really strange that for athletes, like I saw on LinkedIn yesterday, um, a like a bronze medalist, like a French, French guy, um. And he was looking for sponsors, but he's already proven that he's like at the top level. And I feel like for for you guys, it's like always a battle to try and you know, try and get sponsorships. It must be uh, must be difficult. I mean, I think what they want is a certain look, and obviously, social media right now is playing a massive part in branding um, and obviously pub publicity. I mean, if you've got like over ten thousand followers, you're obviously going to get sent more free stuff because you're going to show it to a, a wider um, pop, like the wider population, you know, a bigger number of people in the world are going to see it. And, you know, if you've got a blue tick or you're on TV all the time, then people are going to want to throw things at you. And I think that's why these influencers are getting so much stuff because they've either been on TV or they've got so many followers and they just get everything thrown at them. And I think like people get too caught up in that. Um, and for us, you know, it's impressive what we do, like, but it doesn't get the respect that it deserves in TV. Like, you'll hardly see it on the TV. I mean, you'll see the championships and maybe some diamond leagues, but any domestic stuff, you wouldn't even know about it. Maybe a little bit on Twitter, but it's nowhere near like football. And there's just no funding. Like, athletics just doesn't have the funding. And obviously, if you look in America, I mean, college kids in athletics are getting paid so much money from sponsorships but it's because it's america and the minted whereas here i mean i'm lucky to get a little bit kit do you know what i mean like to get a contract and actually get money is is really really hard unless you're breaking records you know uh every, it day in day out you're on the telly you're earning medals that kind of thing people just want the results no one's really bothered about the development of people anymore and i think that's really like it's 
it's ruining the sport. Um, and I think like grassroots and developing athletes, they just don't look out for them at all because, you know, you could have the next, I don't know, Mo Farah, Jess Ellis in the yeah. school. You wouldn't know about it because there's, there's nothing in place for it. There's no structure uh, and then there's no plan. And I mean, even athletes now, you know, you're fighting against people around the world just to get a place in, in a competition. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I don't know how the UK is so behind on sponsorships and stuff, but if you look at other countries, like everyone's got, got a contract, whereas here it's so difficult. And then if you compare it to like League Two football, I'm better than the League Two football player, like rankings and stuff, but they're getting paid like five figs a week. Do you know what I mean? Or five figs a month. Like it's, it's absolutely crazy. And, you know, as much as it'd be great to get paid, but I just, yeah, I'm just going to have to do it my way for now and then see what happens. Just going back to that uh, identity point, like I'm so glad you brought that up for, like, for anyone listening. Uh, if you didn't catch that, like sort of having that high athletic identity, but that's only one fifth of, of, of you. So like Emily Borthwick is much bigger than just like performing in high jump, you know? Um, so for anyone training and, and looking to like become like a, a professional, like sort of see the bigger picture, like you're more than just this person who's competing in these sports, like have other things going on in your life. So when that does finish, you've got things to fall back on. Yeah, I like completely agree, Ollie. Like, it's so important to have even just a hobby. I mean, people I know who are paid full time to, you know, train and compete are so bored mm. and don't know what to do with their lives. And it's like, well, go and find something. Yeah. Go and do something completely different away from sport. I think a lot of people think they're going to get like broadcast jobs or, you know, a lot of media stuff after sport just by being a sports person. But you're still within sport. Mm. you'll never break away from it and I think that's a huge issue because if you're still around it like every day you're gonna like be upset because you'll have retired and new people will be coming through and you've not had that separation from it and you've not yeah. had a new challenge in your life because you'll always think back to the old times and you'll never be able to move on and I, I doubt that people will be happy so one thing I'd say is make sure that you've got even if it is just a little job or just something to do on the side to get you away and break you away from this bubble of sport and this short career. Yeah, great advice. Do you feel, do you feel like that you learned that yourself or did you kind of learn that from like your studies, for example, like sports psychology studies or a combination of both? Like, I think it is a combination of both. Obviously, all the research is suggesting like so many athletes struggle with transition to junior and senior, you know, footballers, uh, getting released at academy level and then the 15, 16 having a breakdown because they thought football was going to be for the rest of their lives and they're going to earn, I don't know, you know 100k a week. Like, yeah. it's that's not how it works. I mean, I don't, Ollie, you'll probably tell me, but you know, the percentage of, you know, footballers actually make it is like what, 2%? One, yeah, 1%. Yeah, 1%. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. So, you know, like people need to be more realistic about things. And you can still do sport and enjoy it, but also realise that it's not going to pay your bills for the rest of your life. Like, you've got to do something else and break yourself away from 
that yeah. identity because it will run out. It's an interesting point because I've been trying to find sort of the balance between that because ultimately to make it to like the Olympic level, to make it to the professional level, you do have to train a lot um, and sort of sac- make sacrifices, but you also have to find the balance because we had a guest on who was at the Man United Academy and he was sort of promoting this like all or nothing mentality. Yeah. Um, whereas like I was sort of trying to promote other factors of their identity. Um, so it's an yeah. interesting debate because I've always wanted yeah. to sort of, not, I've never been in an academy, so I don't know. Yeah. Um, so it was good to get that insight. But yeah, I just think finding that balance um, between training hard, focusing on that, because ultimately every kid's got the right to dream to be a professional footballer. I mean, it was my dream, but I've sort of widened my identity. And that's why when I realised the dream didn't happen, then I've got other things to fall back on. I've got other career aspirations. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a. I'm so glad we uh, covered that topic because yeah. 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 No, it's it, so passionate about it. Yeah. It always tends to come up in our in our episodes because I don't know. It seems to always come back and it's, it's, it's a huge, a really it's a good, huge problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a current it's... problem, so it's really cool to address it um, and get your perspective on it. Um, so yeah, thanks for agreeing with us. Nah, <laughs> no, it's alright. It's alright. But yeah, just uh, you talked about um, like the League Two footballers earning more than you and sort of. Like this is sort of, I, I know you're on a mission like in, in terms of this, like reducing the gender gap in sport. I yeah. know that's a huge thing that you're focusing on at the moment in terms of you being a sports psychologist, you're delivering workshops and stuff. I don't know if you want to shed some light on that. Um, yeah, of course. I mean, you know, I've been working for a company called Totally Runnable and their goal is to close the gender sport gap in primary schools. You know, there's so many facts, figures coming out, especially after COVID as well, about the amount of females that are actually struggling to get back into sport or have lost motivation to uh, be physically active. Mm. Um, whereas, you know, the f- f- facts are it's easy for men to go exercise, lose weight. Females it takes a lot longer. It's a lot harder. Um, and mentally, it's really it's really destructive. Um so we've been finding that girls, even as young as seven, are losing confidence in sport. Um, so we're really trying to like push and promote, um, you know, role models and inspiring female athletes out to those kids in primary schools. I mean, at the minute, I think, as you'll know, like you don't see women's sport anywhere. It's getting a little bit better now, um, but newspapers, you hardly see pictures of women. You'll only see them standing with a trophy, not actually like doing the sport. And it'd be really small, whereas you'd have back page of a newspaper, full spread of football, you know. And then on the telly, you hardly see it. Um, And if kids aren't seeing it, how can they recreate that? Um, And I do think it's such an important um, like topic, but also not just in sport, in, in life itself. I mean, it, the you know, you know the the gender pay gap and things like that. There's real issues that are still happening in 2021. I mean, yeah. surely we'd have gone past that by now. Um, but I mean, we've started doing some work in Loughborough schools now um, because obviously Loughborough's a really sporty town. The university's got great sporting facilities, and all the top teams um, across all different sports are based here. So we're trying to push that um, gender sport gap um, in the primary schools. But it is a huge issue. 
as well as a lot of you know there's a lot of other things like mental health comes into it as well yeah um and you know that confidence that motivation and you know if if you're not being inspired or you're not seeing the right things on social media or within schools or the right messages being taught to kids then behaviors can't change or adapt moving forward yeah I, when, when i saw gender gap like i thought it was the like the, like the payment like purely that i didn't realize it, it affected actually like participation like actually yeah. like girls participating in sport I, like that's really an eye-opener for me i didn't know that was like a, a big problem so yeah it's yeah. pretty good i mean even like see my situation is a little bit different because when i was in school i was really sporty and i would play with the boys and i'd be confident enough to do that but 99 percent of the time kids aren't so yeah, smart. so okay. we're uh, on a mission we're on a mission to sort it out but I can imagine you're such like a, an inspiring figure because you talk about that you're not necessarily the norm in terms of high jump, like in terms of genetics, but like you going out and doing that sort of proving everyone wrong. I can imagine you're like a great person to sort of be leading this initiative. Uh, I mean, I guess so. I mean, you know, <laughs> the, the short fat kid on the uh, tracks, the one uh, doing really well making finals. But, you know, I, at the end of the day, it's... You've got to be doing something you enjoy. And if you're not loving it, then what's the point? Yeah. Um, and if you're passionate about something, then go for it. You know, put all your energy into it because so many people live their lives hating jobs, hating friendships, hate, you know, relationships breaking down, that kind of thing. And it's like, you've got the tools and the, you know, it's, it's down to you what, how you live your life and what job you want to do. And if you really want to do a job, then work a little bit harder, you know, get the qualifications, do this, that, and the other. But then most people just can't be bothered and they'd rather just take along a life being unhappy. And like for anyone listening, it's so important to just enjoy what, like what you are doing and backing yourself as well. Yeah. I mean, I'll go into schools and, you know, the kids will think, oh, you're a superstar. But in the grand scheme of things, like you're kind of like, you know, the bottom of the pile. Mm, and yeah, but you can work, your, like you can work your way up. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm about to like sit, like sort of touch touch light on the subject. I'm not like I may be proved very wrong, but social media obviously plays a huge part in this. And I swear, like schools are so different to when I was a kid. And I imagine it's like maybe even worse now because like girls are, are like like they're just dulling themselves. Like they see on social media that like all these like pretty girls and stuff, and like they've all got makeup on and stuff and um that's sort of the role models that they're seeing and there's not many sporting role models so they're tending not to participate in that sort of activity they're sort of participating in this like they're acting like they're 18 when they're only like 14 you know that's i swear is, is that like a i mean athletes you can either get money through sponsorship or money through social media mm. and at the minute the way it's going is that like you've just said Ollie like that influencer type lifestyle yeah. hardly any clothes makeup to the gym that ain't the reality of it yeah oh I've been training today look like an absolute tomato sweating my ass <laughs> off like just looking an absolute mess like that's that's the reality of it like social media is such a fake place mm. um especially with like air like airbrushing and filters yeah. and all that's like it's it's honestly just crazy um 
But I try not to get too caught up in that. It is really hard because obviously social media is massive in terms of getting things out there. But you've got to be as real and authentic as possible. Mm. Um, and it is a shame that people fall into the trap of looking amazing, everything's great in the life. So then people just force it on themselves. Mm. And then if you look at it, like that's when most people get depressed or yeah. you see so many influencers like committing suicide because they force themselves into this like bubble and yeah. it isn't what it's cracked up to be at all. They're almost showing too much of themselves to social media that it just gets corrupting too much. I think um, it's taken. I think it's taken a toll, especially on the youth as well. Like yeah. these these young girls, like they've got an expectation to sort of look like these these people who are who are these influencers, and it's like when they go to school, they've got an expectation to sort of look like look like that and be like that, and like just you just got to try and enjoy life, be yourself. Um, exactly. And I think yeah, that's definitely a, a problem that's got to sort of get attacked head on um, yeah. in social media. Yeah. It's all keyboard ones. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad we're like the last generation to kind of like come out of that. I th I feel like it was it was still a bit there, like when we were at school. Like the way you dressed kind of mattered, but like social media is like next level for me. Like I don't know how how I would handle that. Yeah, we were like the last generation of in terms of like I used to be out all the time as a yeah. kid, like well, I was climbing trees, coming back holes in my trousers, <laughs> like blood yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Like but then I guess it's down to us to then for us to have children and to instill what we had. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah. So a bit deep so off, going into kids. Yeah. <laughs> Let's lighten it up a bit. But um, yeah. yeah, I had the question for you. So after your masters, what are your kind of plans? Like, do you want to be like a practitioner or a researcher or? Um. So I want to work in the mental health hospitals with all the extreme cases. With all the extreme like mental health cases, I really do want to work in that field. Um, I've had like friends, family struggle with mental health, so to me, like it's so um, like personal. Um, yeah. Luckily, I've been pretty sound with my mental health. Um, I've kind of been everybody else's sponge and just taking in um, as much as I can and helping them where I can, and that's kind of what's driven me to want to pursue it like as a career um I always wanted to do sp like sports psychology but then I'm kind of away from that like I don't want to contradict myself and be like oh yeah I want to stay in sport like blah blah because now I don't like I want to have that break from it yeah um I do coach on the side so I like coach um and I might take that up later down the line just as like a I don't know a side hustle a bit of a bit of a fun thing to take me away from you know the stress of like real life work um but yeah no mental health definitely at the forefront of what I want to do um but I'm still undecided what field but I mean I want like wouldn't mind working yeah yeah you must yeah. have loved the uh clinical have you done the clinical psych um module not yet no that's a good module. Oh, okay yeah I you're think gonna that's like next it. year yeah. yeah a presentation you have to do on the Although a clinical population, yeah, it's really, really interesting. Okay, cool. like, yeah, we weren't yeah. really like to too like um, we weren't really looking forward to like the clinical psych sort of module. Yeah. But then we finished it, and it was sort of like wow, like this has sort of opened our eyes to a whole new area of psychology, and it, it was yeah. like, really interesting. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll look forward to that next year. 
but uh yeah i think i think those are all the topics we wanted to cover with you um so we'll finish off by uh asking you the questions that the viewers sent in oh did i actually um, get some yeah. <laughs> well so to be fair, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so but it's probably my fair, mom i told my mom to and i didn't really <laughs> no but to be fair you kind of answered um like a few of them but i also asked them anyways but um reiterate yeah um so what were you thinking to yourself before your third attempt in Tarun? so my training partner had just knocked the bar off um and i was like oh god like that's not good if both of us knock it off then coach not gonna be happy so that was my first thought i was like oh shit and we have to like redeem us here like as a little team um but also i'd taken two attempts already and i'd been close and the clearance before was really good so i was like no i can i can do this like i know that i can do this and i was kind of looking like around you know was, just, I don't know, just watching everyone else really. Not, I should have really been focusing on myself, but I was kind of just like eyes wandering. But like, I could see my coach. And I don't know, you have like messages in your head and you can like feel their energy. And I was like, oh, he knows I can do this. Like, yeah. he knows I can do this. Now that, right, I'm going to do this. But also, um, a little white feather fell like out of nowhere. And unfortunately, my granddad passed away like many, many years ago now. But um, he was like one of my biggest athletics fans. And when it fell, I was like, oh, it's got to be, it's got to be him. And I was like, okay. Yeah. So it was a bit of a sentimental moment. I was like, right, right, cool. That's that. I was like, my coach knows I can do it. I know I can do it. Why the hell not? Like, I've yeah. put all the training in. I've worked hard. I've got here. Like, I need to leave with a PB. Because I just equaled my PB 87 with the height before. And then obviously it was 91. And I was like, right, last attempt. You've just got to give it everything. And I think... So where my tape was on the floor, I think I took it back maybe like this much, um, even though like my coach hadn't told me to or anything like that. But I always get super like excited at a third attempt. So I'll just push a little bit too much and I'll normally like knock it off. But then I was like, no, give myself the space and then just go for it. And yeah, it worked. So yeah, it was good. Okay. Yeah. So then the went wild one. after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mate, go on YouTube. I think we'll put the um just like the link to the celebration in the oh, um, our YouTube and, and definitely go do and it. check that out. Do it, do it. It's a class celebration. Uh, <laughs> they um, even got it like on the side view in slow-mo, and I was just like, oh, this is just the best thing ever. <laughs> like one of the highlights of yeah. European athletics. I was like, right, this is sick. I've made it now. You, sh you should have backflipped on the mat like you do in training. I saw you do that. <laughs> I mean, I think I'd already like, already like done about three top jumps and like ran off the bed and like just gone all over the place. But uh, maybe next time. We'll yeah. see. Next time you do a PB, you have to do a backflip and, uh, and look at the camera and be like mastering the mind. <laughs> okay, um, maybe I'll do something, but maybe not like that no, I won't be no, like no, right up in the camera like this, <laughs> this. No or like kissing it like blowing Master kissing. in the mud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the right. next one is um, how do you stay motivated with like obviously the university work and like your athletic career and obviously you're self-funded so like, how do you stay motivated during all of that? Um, 
I think just because I love it so much, like it's so important to me and it's part of me. Um, yeah. And it's not going to last forever. So I want to give it everything that I've got for the time that I've got with it. Um, I live with my boyfriend and he's a really good pole vaulter. And seeing him do well, like motivates me because I want to, I mean, it's not like a competition, but I want to be like as good as he is in his sport in mine. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when you do well, when you get picked, like first GB vest, you know, first European final, everyone's just so happy for you and so buzzing. And it just, it makes everything worth it. Like all the good times, all the bad times, it just makes it worth it. And those little wins kind of just get you through. Whether it's like a PB in training or in the gym, like little things like that, I think they do make a big difference and keep you motivated. Yeah, would you say like being surrounded by like like-minded people uh, like really helps you? For sure, I think yeah. if I had, I don't know. I mean, my friend, like my groups of friends, are so different. I have my friends who know nothing about athletics, and we don't talk about it, which is yeah. amazing. So I'll just go home and I can have a good time and go out for food or whatever and just chat up shit. And then yeah, yeah. I've got my athletic friends who get it. When it doesn't go right, they'll understand. Um, so, yeah, I think having a balance of people who don't have a clue and then people who, who know what it's like is really good. Oh, yeah, that's good. That's class. Okay, so the third question was, aside from having chippies, uh, what... <laughs> <laughs> no, that was the chicken and mushroom pie. <laughs> God dang, was... you, you ride me right out there. <laughs> It's a joke, everyone. <laughs> no, just, before, um, just before this releases, are you? I don't, I don't have to be. <laughs> um, but the real question was, do you, ha like, do you have any hobbies outside of uh, high jumping or like, sports? Like, Do you have any particular? Um, not really, but I have my work. Like, work yeah. is really important to me. So I've, I've got my job of totally runnable in schools. And then I've just recently got my accommodation support officer at Loughborough College. So that's a new challenging time and keeping myself busy. I mean, I'm basically the maid in the flat. So I do all like the housework and things like that. So I do just keep myself busy. Um, I've got really good friends that I'll go out and see. Like, I love walking. Um, I've got a little beagle at home. So she'll come for oh, the nice. weekend or I'll take her out and stuff like that. So... I'm always out and about doing things. I mean, I wouldn't say something particular that I do. I mean, I'm not a big like reader or anything like that. I could easily just binge watch like Netflix or something. Yeah. Um, and then I like to sleep a lot. That's probably one yeah. of my other hobbies. I just like sleeping <laughs> and napping. So yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. We we also love dogs. <laughs> yeah, I've got one. Do you do you have dogs? I have um, my mom and dad have three whippets. Oh. oh. Yeah. One of them is so chunky as well. Like, it's the oh, no, that's it, not the whole point, is it? it? It looks like a Labrador and it's supposed to be a Whippet. It's like... Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> well, to be fair, I mean, uh, Lola, my beagle's back in the northwest, but here I'm convincing my boyfriend to get a Cocker Spaniel. Oh, and I've just found out his coach has a sister who breeds them. Like, we found that oh, out wow. today, so I was like, right, that's it. That's it. We're getting one. I've seen yeah, the pictures. Yeah. I've chosen which one I want. That's it. So the bad thing there, like, like recently, like dog prices have gone up so much. It's ridiculous. I know. Yeah. Those. Dealing a living now. It's yeah. not. It's not about the actual dogs. It's just about people earning money. Yeah, I know. It'll sort I, itself out when things are back to normal. 
Yeah, my girlfriend has a beagle too, so I'm like a massive fan of uh, of beagles. Oh. It's it's not a typical one. It's like the it's only two colors. It's like white and like uh, quite light brown. You know. Yeah. Like, so Lola's um, Lola's uh, tricolored. So yeah. she's white, black, and brown. Yeah. yeah. That's so funny. I love their ears. They're so big and like long. Yeah, they just flop there. It's when <laughs> yeah. they get caught like over. Yeah, and yeah. One's down and over. one's back. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Like, what are you doing, mate? Sort your ears out. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love dogs. I can't wait to get a dog. Yeah, same. Yeah. But yeah, they're, they're all the questions we had for you and uh, all the audience's questions. So yeah, we sort of give like our. Um, guests like a 30 seconds to a minute to like sort of plug anything obviously all your socials will be in the description as well as your celebration so if anything else, <laughs> like uh just say it now otherwise i'll just get on with the outro um that's all right i did that sponsor her <laughs> sponsor <laughs> us just, i think that's oh, yeah, help me please look i'm wearing yeah. new today yeah. look you no no yeah. no, cool. I love that. no thanks <laughs> thanks for having me on it's been really good yeah, no worries. So we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you could uh, please share this with your friends or someone you'd feel would benefit from it. And most importantly, like, subscribe, comment down below any questions and like we'll try and answer them in the comments uh, or we'll ask Emily. Um, other than that, uh, yeah, we'll see you in the next one. And thanks for listening. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs>